This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Good morning. That is a super enthusiastic good morning. Good morning. Time change was last week. No excuses. Uh, so unless you're hungover, which raise your hand if you are. Be careful now you're in church. Uh, right? All right, let's try it again. Good morning. There we go. That's so much better. Uh, you heard it on those video announcements, but I want to draw your attention to those. You saw some of those Easter invite cards on your chairs when you came in. Uh, you can grab those. That's a, a reminder for you, also a way for you to invite a friend, family, coworker with you. Uh, for those of you who prefer a uh, less personal touch with a lower chance of personal rejection, this week you can check out uh, the Christian Chapel Facebook and Instagram pages, and they'll have some uh, social media invites that you can share and pass along to your friends as well. Uh, so just multiple ways for us to encourage people to celebrate with us on Easter Sunday. Um, if you're a guest, we're glad that you're here this morning. My name is Chris. I'm the pastor here at Christian Chapel, and you're joining us in the middle of our Lent message series. Lent is the 40 days uh, preceding Easter that the church sets aside to focus and prepare our hearts to celebrate the resurrection on Easter Sunday. This year, we've been walking through Psalm 23 as a way to uh, focus our attention on the, the good life that Jesus comes to offer to us. So we've called this series of messages Stepping Into the Light because Psalm 23 really just describes this beautiful picture of the life that Jesus provides for us, where we know that the Lord is our shepherd, that he provides for us um, in, in every season, in every way that we need. Last week, I was reading an article from John Piper. He's a pastor in Minnesota, a well-known author, and he was writing about his experience with Psalm 23 uh, decades ago when he was in graduate school and was just really in a season of uncertainty, a season of stress. And he went through this process of, he, he lived a short distance from the school he attended, and he would ride his bike to school every day. And he said as he would ride his bike, he would recite Psalm 23, and, and he, his description of what it did for him really kind of encapsulated my hopes for this series, and, and so I want to share a portion of that with you now and another portion later. Um, but Piper said about Psalm 23, he said, with this passage of Scripture, more than any other, to recite it was also to experience its reality. The psalm itself was green pasture. The psalm itself was still water. The psalm itself restored my soul. Day by day, I lived it, I ate it, I drank it in, and sure enough, in every situation, it came true. The Lord was my shepherd, I did not want. And, and this is what he describes is, is my hope for us as we work our way through Psalm 23, that it moves past um, a, a scripture that you hear at funerals or that you see on the wall at your grandma's house or, or other places like that, and really becomes part of the fabric of our lives, and that we trust the Lord to bring it to mind in the moments that we need to hear it. Now, one of the ways we're trying to do that, Darren Lynn, is I've been encouraging you to memorize Psalm 23, uh, because as you do that, and it becomes uh, just really internalized in you, the Spirit will bring it back to you in the moments you need to experience it. So we're trying to do that, and one of the ways we're trying to memorize it is by reading it together each Sunday morning. So, uh, Logan, if you'll throw that up for me, and if you all will please join me, we'll read Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, 
I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This morning we're going to focus in on that uh, portion there that says, He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. And we're just going to kind of take this in some chunks and, and work our way through it. Uh, but first of all, I need to know how many of you would identify yourself as a planner? You like a plan, you like to work a plan, you love to kind of lay out. Now, of those of you who raised your hand, how many of you are like for real a planner? Like you've already laid out your clothes for the coming week, you've got the meal plan. How many of you go on vacation and you have an itinerary? How many, <laughs> how many of your itineraries have bullet points? Who has ever made a PowerPoint presentation to prepare for a vacation with their family? No? Okay, good, because we would ask you to leave at that point. You, like, you just got to go to the prayer room. There'll be some deliverance prayers. But, uh, you know, for, for a lot of us, if we're wired that way, and, and I'm wired that way, I love a plan. I love to work the plan. And then I love to stand on the other side of it and say, look how well the plan worked, right? That is just a deeply satisfying experience for me. Uh, and it's also extremely frustrating when other people don't understand there's a plan that they're supposed to be working, right? And, and so you've been there as well. Now, for those of us who are, are planners, we hear this portion of Psalm 23 and just think, yes, he guides me along right paths, right? He's going to reveal it to me. And, and so for some of us, the, the struggle we find is we think the fact that God guides us along right paths means he's going to give me my five-year plan, my 10-year plan, my 30-year plan right now, and I'm going to know all the steps along the way, you know, from, from here until death, he's going to show it all. And then I just got to follow it out. And, and for, if we're real honest, what we really want to happen is we want God to reveal that plan to us and then leave us alone and let us follow it. Right? Like, thank you, Lord. Now I know, uh, I'll call you if I get in trouble and just let me go. But that's not at all what David is describing here. And, and so from the very beginning, when we're talking about the paths God leads us on, we have to pay attention to those first two words. He guides. Not God and me guide together. Not God leads and I co-lead and offer suggestions. Not God suggests a route and I say, or we could go this way. He guides. And David's pointing us back to that first statement he made in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, making clear to us that God is ridiculously in charge of our lives, that he is the shepherd, we are the sheep, and we are completely different from him. And in our relationship to him, we will always be subservient. He always knows the better way. And what's important for us to understand is not only that's who God is, but that's actually what we need. You know, for, uh, for Dave Blair, many of you know him. He's a member at Christian Chapel. He grew up out in West Texas. And he told me that uh, when we started this series, he said he grew up in, in cattle country, you know, where, where all, the, all the farmers, ranchers, they all run cattle. And the joke that they all had about people who took care of sheep was, why would you want to give your life caring for animals that are born looking for ways to die? And just this idea of cattle are hardy, sheep are delicate. Cattle are, are a, a good way to make a living. Sheep are just stupid animals that you're going to spend your whole life being frustrated with. 
And, and so when it comes to this idea, he guides me along the right paths, what's important for us to remember is we actually need the Lord to guide us. Now, a sheep without a shepherd will just stay in the same field, the same pasture for as long as it can. It will eat the grass down to nubs. It will wear uh, ruts. You know, its little trails will become ruts. It will soil clean drinking water. It'll bed down in the same places over and over again until that part of the ground is just full of fleas and ticks and parasites. And so a sheep left to itself will eventually uh, begin to suffer because there won't be adequate food. The land will be eroding around it. The water will be rotten. It destroys not only its own health, but the health of any sheep who might come along after it. And so what David is teaching us here is we need the Lord to guide us because if we don't, we'll get stuck in the same spot We'll begin to become malnourished. We'll wear ruts into places that we were supposed to just be passing through. We'll soil the water that's supposed to bring uh, uh, health and wholeness to our souls. And we'll ruin the land for those who are coming after us. He's just painting this picture. We need the Lord to guide us. And when he guides us, he guides us in a way, uh, you know, so so picture with me a, a large flock of sheep. And if you've ever been, had this experience of seeing a large flock of sheep travel from one space to another. So when I've been to India a few times, when we hike through those, the Himalayas, there are shepherds leading large groups of sheep along the trails. And the larger the group of sheep, the more shepherds they will have accompanying them, right? So you'll never see this flock of hundreds of sheep with just one singular shepherd. But the bigger they are, so you're, you're hiking along these trails and you come up on the, the group of sheep and it's like there's a mountainside and there's the cliffside. And so you always get in on the mountainside, right? Because that sheep, if it's you or them on the cliff, you're going over and they're staying on. So you smash up against it and they start to come by. And there's, there's typically a shepherd at the front leading them. There's a shepherd in the middle, keeping them going in the right direction. And then there's a shepherd at the back making sure if any of them stop or get kind of up on the hillside that they can get them back down and get them moving again. Now, the way God leads us is similar to that. He leads us from the front, he leads from the back, and he leads from the middle. This is what David describes for us in Psalm 139, verse 5, when he's talking about the Lord's presence in his life. He says, you hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. See, when God guides us, it's not just that he's out in the distance saying, come on, let's go. It's not just that he's way behind us saying, hurry up, get moving. But he is in front, he is behind, and he is right there with us, laying his hand upon us, leading us and guiding us. David also goes on to show us that the way God leads us is personal. It says, he guides me. Now, again, going back to, to John Piper and what he wrote on Psalm 23, he said, this psalm is very personal. There is no we or us or they, but only my and me and I and he and you. It is an overflow of David's personal experience with God. One of the reasons it has such an attraction for us is that we all hunger for such authentic experience with God. And a personal witness to that experience brings us a step closer ourselves. And so this, I mean, if, if you've ever wondered why do we read Psalm 23 in so many different settings in church life, this is why. Because it's a description of God who not only leads us, but leads us in a very personal way. See, what, what David describes in, John, in, in Psalm 23 here is not the idea that God leads me along the same path he's led all of humanity for all of history. 
There is a general sense in which, is that, which that is true. We are all being led towards Christ. We are all being led in his kingdom. But what David is trying to help us understand is within that, God has a personal path and a personal plan for you. He knows you that well. And so again, he's not leading from a distance, but he's leading from up close. He guides me. And then David says, he guides me along. pointing us to the idea that a life with Christ is going to be one of continual movement. And you know this from your own experience. Where you are is not where you're going to be in one year or five years or 10 years. And if you look back on the course of your life, you understand God has been guiding you along the path. And now, now we don't always like that. There are seasons where we think, no, I want to, I want to stay here because this is, this is good. About uh, probably five years or so ago, I was, I was entering my early 30s, and I have a friend who's about uh, twice my age. And he was telling me, he said, you really need to enjoy your 30s. He said, they are, they are such a great time of life. Uh, you know, it's, your kids are typically out of diapers, but still young enough that they like hanging out with you. Um, your parents are, are usually still healthy and strong, and you haven't started caring for them yet. Uh, professionally, you're typically starting to hit your stride in your 20s and, and really feel established. Personally, you've, you've sorted out generally who you are, what you're good at, what you're bad at. And you're, if you're married, that's generally a point where you're, you're starting to feel really, you know, that oneness that the scriptures describe has, has started to happen if you've been married a little while. And, and so as he's telling me this, I'm kind of looking at my life and thinking, yeah, that's, that's it. I mean, it, it was just a, a couple months before Greg and I transitioned here at Christian Chapel, and I moved from being co-pastor to lead pastor. And so it was, it was just this sweet season that, that my friend was describing. And, and because I'm greedy, I thought, well, instead of just my 30s, what if that could extend into my 40s? Like, instead of 10 years, can I get 15 years or 20 years? Like, if you, you're describing your, your 30s were awesome, but, but I'm pretty sure God's going to make my 30s and 40s and probably even 50s that way. You know, just because that's, that's how we think. Well, literally within a couple months of that conversation, Greg and I transitioned here and I moved into this new role and everything was fun and exciting. And within uh, just, I think, two weeks maybe of the Sunday, I became the pastor at Christian Chapel. We were in Topeka over fall break visiting Angie's family and we found out her dad had leukemia. And within a year from that day, we were at his funeral. And so this, this season that Angie and I had planned on lasting 10 years, 15 years, we didn't even get our year out of it. And in that moment, there's this, this, I mean, you're, you're, you're kind of walking through grief, but you're also honestly walking through some frustration. Like, God, I thought we had a deal. My friend said your thirties were awesome. My friend said your, your parents stay healthy all through your thirties. I'm, I'm 32. And it's not happening anymore. God, what, what is going on? And, and in that season, we, we had an option of either just deciding, well, forget it. We're just going to chart our own course. God's clearly not taking care of us. Or he had an option, which some do, of just, well, I'm just going to sit down here in my grief and be mad and be angry, and I'm, I'm not going to trust. Or we trust God will lead me along. That this maybe isn't what I wanted. It maybe isn't what I planned but he knew it was coming. It hasn't caught him off guard, and he's going to lead me through it. This is where I think many of us, we we get into trouble because we have a plan, and we think God, that his job is to work our plan for our glory. 
But what he's trying to teach us is, look, there are things in life that are going to come your way. But no matter what happens, whether that's a result of your sin, the sins of someone else, or, or just kind of like in, in Angie and I's case, just the fact that you live in a fallen world and sometimes bad things happen. But none of that stops him from leading us through those things. But it's, it's a lesson I learned there that I'd, I'd learned earlier in life as well, that you can never attach your identity to who you are or what you're doing at a particular point in life. Right? Eventually, junior high and high school students, eventually you're not going to be the, the superior student. Eventually, you're not going to be the athlete anymore that everyone looks up to. Right? For, for us, eventually you're not going to be the, the new bride or the new husband. You're not going to be the mom of toddlers. You're not going to be the grandparent of littles. You're not going to be the boss at work. You're not going to be the, the top salesman at the company. You're not going to be the most respected person in your neighborhood. Eventually, all of these titles kind of fade away. And when they fade away, what do we do? Do we trust that God is now going to lead me along this new place? Or do we get mad that we're not where we used to be? One of the, the beautiful blessings of Jesus as our shepherd is that he is constantly leading us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And there is no circumstance that will come your way that inhibits his ability to lead you along. The next thing David tells us is he leads us along right paths. You know, and that is so tremendously comforting because it means whenever you're following the Lord and you're surrendering your life to him, wherever you are is the right path he has for you right now. It's also encouraging because it means if you've wandered away or you've rejected him or you've turned your back on him, that he has the ability to get you from where you are, just turned away, wandered off on your own. He has the ability to come and find you and to reestablish you on the right path in a moment. Right? That idea of, of right paths is, is so appealing to us, and yet it brings the question of, but how do I know? How do I know which is the right path? Right? I love the idea that God is going to lead me along right paths, but which one? Left, right, straight, up, down. Which way do I go? You know, and here I think we can take a, an example from the sheep again. How does a sheep know it's on the right path? The shepherd. Right? The, the right path is the path that the shepherd is leading them on. And so for us in these seasons of questioning or transition, in these unwanted seasons maybe, the question is not how do I get out of here or what's my next step to take? The question is how close can I get to the shepherd? And God speaks to us through his scriptures and he speaks to us as we pray and he speaks to us as we plant ourselves in communities like this and he begins to reveal those paths to us. There was a a book I read several years ago, and it just kind of crystallized this thought in my mind. The author said, God wants you on the right path more than you want to be on the right path. And when I read that, it just kind of calmed me down. Again, when you're a planner, you're wired for, but what's next? What's next? What's next? And, and what this passage of scripture is teaching us is that the presence of Christ is what's next. And when you trust him, he will lead you on the right path, no matter what may come, no matter what may happen. One of the ways that Angie and I, in, throughout our, our married life, have begun to discern and, and try to figure out these seasons of uncertainty and transition is to understand this idea. God's going to lead us on the right path. And so we, we pray two prayers. First of all, we pray, God, reveal the right path. And then make all the wrong paths, obviously. Or, or maybe to put it a more understandable way, we pray, God, open the right door 
and close all of the wrong ones. Now, what that is required of us is that we have to then begin to understand rejection as a way that God speaks and reveals his will to us. And that's not always fun. Right? If you're in a relationship right now, maybe you're trying to figure out, is this the person I'm supposed to marry or not? Is this dating relationship supposed to be gone? Well, as you start to pray, God, lead me on the, wrong, on the right path, what he might do is close the door on that wrong one. And that breakup might be painful, and it might hurt, and it might cause you to wonder what the future will hold. But listen, if you're trusting that he wants you on the right path more than you want to be on the right path, then you can receive those closed doors as a gift from God. When you're in that job application process and and you see that one that just, man, that's your dream. That's the one that's really going to be there forever. And you, you get the email that says, I'm sorry, we've went with another candidate. In that moment, the closed door is redirecting you to the right path. And so we trust the Lord to lead us and guide us along that right path. When I was in my last year of seminary and, and starting to feel the weight of the real world coming, right? some of you have been there, you remember what that was, you were either finishing high school or college or graduate school, and, but suddenly it was just this idea of, man, the, the real world's out there, bills are coming, and, and so my, Angie was pregnant with our first son, um, and we were, I was, I was finishing school and trying to figure out where do I go. So we had, we'd went back to our home church in Topeka and I was talking with the pastor and just kind of asking him, you know, give me some advice. What do I do? And, and really what I wanted were very practical tips. I wanted him to tell me how to prepare my resume. I wanted him to say, these are things that'll make you stand out in the pile. I wanted him to tell me, uh, these are the, the clever ways to respond to interview questions that will just make people really love you and, uh, you know, fall over themselves to invite you to serve at their church. That's what I wanted. And he gave me a few practical tips that were helpful, but uh, I, I remember asking him, because he had, he had moved a couple times over his 40 years in ministry, and I just said, how do you know? Like, just how do you know? What do I need to do to make sure I wind up in the right place? He said, Chris, I I don't really have a specific answer. He said, I just know that in my 40 years, I've learned to trust that God's going to lead me to the right place far more than I've trusted my ability to put myself in the right place. So he said, my encouragement to you is just trust the Lord in this process. And I'm I'm kind of sitting there like, that's very spiritual, but for real. (laughs) Like the resume, what about that? Is it like three bullet points or four? Uh, you know, just trying to, there's just something that's like, it can't be that simple. But David says it is. He leads you along right paths. And then that last line there is the most important in the whole thing. He guides me along right paths for his name's sake. And this is where David takes all of the pressure and removes it from us. So he says, look, God has a plan. He's working that plan and he's going to achieve that plan, not because of me and not because of you, but because of himself. In, in his book, um, Lessons from a Shepherd on Psalm 23, the author's name, let's see here, is Philip Keller. And he writes, the owner's entire name and reputation depends on how effectively and efficiently he keeps his charges moving on to wholesome, new, fresh forage. He's just, to put it another way, the the condition of the sheep reflects on the character of the shepherd. If if you're a parent, you've had this experience. I remember as an elementary school kid, we grew up in Kansas, it was cold in the wintertime, but I still thought January was a good time to wear shorts to school. 
And so I'd be in my shorts ready to leave for school, and my mom would tell me, no child of mine is wearing shorts out the door in January. I'd be like, Mom, it's fine. It's not cold. Like, it's 10 degrees. It's not cold, Mom. I don't get cold. But I remember she would tell me, if you go to school in shorts, people are going to think I'm a bad mother and I don't love you. You know, and my response would be, if you don't let me go to school in shorts, you are a bad mother and you don't love me, right? <laughs> but I never won that argument. It's the same way when you take your kid to get a haircut. What are you going to make sure they do? You're going to make sure that they've washed their hair at least once that week. Right? When you take your kid to the dentist, and this probably doesn't happen to anyone else, but you take him to the dentist, you're like, get in there and brush those teeth and floss. You're going to floss before we go to the dentist. I know you didn't floss since the last time you were at the dentist, but you're going to floss because we're not going in there and they're going to find chunks of Oreos in your back teeth and think that we're horrible parents. Right? There, there is something in us as parents that understands the condition of our child reflects on us and our character, our love, our concern for them, and our ability to take care of them. And what David tells us here at the end of Psalm 23 is that that God leads us along right paths, not so that we will become famous, but as he provides for us, it's to point our attention and the attention of the world back to him. And and so for us, we we can relax We can trust, we can follow, because the Lord is our shepherd and we will lack nothing. It also means for us that in seasons of success, when people are asking us, how did you achieve that? How did you get there? How did you acquire that ability or that position? Our answer as followers of Christ is never going to be, well, I just got lucky or just right place, right time, coincidental. It's not that at all. Our answer is the Lord has led me and guided me for his name's sake. That that God in his sovereignty placed me in this time, in this place, with these skills, and allowed me to step into this role so that he would be glorified in the world. In seasons of grief and hurt, when the world looks and they know the pain you're in, they think you should be crushed by it. And they say, how are you getting through this? The answer is not day by day. The answer is because the Lord is my shepherd. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he is with me. Every day it's his strength sustaining me. Every day it's his wisdom that's guiding me. Every day it's his power that's encouraging me. When God guides us along the right path, it is for his fame, not ours. And as he shines that light on our path, it not only illuminates the way for us, but it illuminates a spot in the world of this is what it looks like for people who are fully devoted to Jesus. He shepherds them from in front, from behind, and from the middle. Towards the end of his life, David summarized this idea in Psalm 37, 25. He said, I was young And now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. He's just painting again this picture for us of the Lord provides. When he shepherds us, he provides. Our our greatest guarantee that we will walk along the right path is God's dedication to his own glory and fame in the world. When he has revealed himself as a loving father and us as his children, he will not turn his back on us, but he will continually move towards us. 
This is the, the ongoing testimony of followers of Christ for 2,000 years. That where God calls us, he provides for us. That in seasons of success, he helps us to steward it well. And in seasons of lack, we still have enough. This is the, the promise that, that we all stand in this morning. It's where our hope is found, that he guides us along the right path for our namesake. And because of that, we have all we need in this moment. And we will have all we need in all the moments to come. If you bow your heads with me, I want to pray for you. The band's going to come and lead us in a final song. Lord, I pray for those who are here today who need to hear your voice, who need to experience your presence. Lord, I pray as they face uncertainty and they, they have significant decisions to make, that you would speak clearly to them about the way they should go and how they should walk in it. Jesus, I pray for those who doubt your concern for their life today. And I ask that you would come and affirm to them that you are not just the Lord, our shepherd, but you are the Lord, my shepherd. God, make that real in each of our hearts today that you have come to lead us and guide us personally through the details of our relationships, through the uncertainties that we face. Lord, for those questions that are in their heart, we just believe today that you have a plan for it. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and make your presence known to us. As we take time to pray and to sing this morning, may you make a way for us to move forward along the right path you have laid out in front of us. God, we just surrender to you. We surrender to your care and to your guidance. We lay down all of our concerns, all of our worries. We lay down all of our desires for control. And we ask that you would come and guide us along right paths for your namesake. And as you do, Lord, may your glory be made known in our lives, in our relationships, and in our world. May your loving care for us shine like a light in the darkness to others who need to experience the same love, compassion, and guidance. Lord, we commit ourselves to your care. We surrender to your leading today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'll stand with us. They're going to lead us in this final song that just describes God's ability to do for us what the scriptures promise and what he's done for others. If you'd like someone to join you in prayer about specific needs in your life, as we sing, you can head out the back doors and to your left. Pastor Cameron and some of our other volunteers will be waiting to pray with you. Uh, we believe that what the scriptures say is true, that the Lord will speak and the Lord will guide. So if that's what you need in a, in a specific situation this morning, please head out those doors to your left. We want to pray with you. The rest of us, let's sing this song. It's just our request that God will do it again for us. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.